Good morning, church. How you guys doing today? All right, let's just open up in prayer this morning. Lord God, we just want you to come into this house, Lord. It's your house. You know, we want you to just fill us up with your spirit, Lord. Just open up our hearts and our minds to your word today, Lord. You know, you we know you're our mighty warrior, Lord. We, not, we won't fear with you around, Lord. You know, you're always with us. You'll never leave us. In your precious name we pray, amen. Let's stand up and worship this morning. Stop. 
seems to hide his face I rest on his unchanging grace in every high and stormy gale my anchor holds within the veil my anchor holds within the veil Lord, Lord. 
shall come with trumpet sound. Oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone. Christ alone.
guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever block me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ I'll stand. No power of hell, no scheme of the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. All Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. Lord, uh, how fitting today that uh, uh, the rain falls down and then we're, it, it gets a little mushy and gushy. And yet, um, I know some friends of ours uh, that I know had their whole basement flooded, God. Um, how awesome it is that no matter what happens in this world, whatever storms of life come, that if we are rooted in the rock of Jesus Christ, they're going to come. But you are greater than all this, and you've overcome the world. And so, Lord, right now, we just thank you for just, uh, just who you are for bringing us here through lots of different kinds of weathers over the last couple weeks. But more importantly, God, we thank you for bringing us to the point that one day we're going to be taken out of this, this uh, old world and we're going to go home. We're going to be in the presence of God Almighty. And so, God, thank you while we're in this world right now that you have used us to further your kingdom, that we are part of your plan. We are part of your history uh, here in the world. And we, we are able to reach the needs of so many. Uh, and God, just uh, that comes from the great gifts of your people. And so, Lord, right now we just ask for your Holy Spirit to be upon the giver and the tither and for the gifts that we are about to receive. Um, just multiply them and use them here to further your kingdom and around the world. In your name we pray. Amen. If you want to stand, stand. If you want to sit down, go for it. We're just worshiping God. That's all we're here for. <laughs> That's the best part. Amen.
All right, everyone, good to see you here. You did not melt. Look at the person next to you say, you didn't melt, but you may freeze later, okay? All right, so welcome. If you're visiting with us, welcome. Um, We want you to be relaxed and have a good time. 
hopefully you received a card when you came in. If not, if you just left your hand up, they'll make sure you get one. Because um, with the card, it just gives us some information in this weathery time. If you like to be here, we want to make sure that you go ahead and, and find out if we have to uh, postpone or do some adjustments like we did last week. But in addition, um, it also gives us a chance to connect to you and see church for our, our church from a new eye. But we are glad that you're here. We believe God brought you here for a reason and just want you to have a, a great time. You can see the other announcements there about Parish Foundation, other kinds of things that are there. Um, emergency Rotating Shelter, that'll be coming up in March. Uh, Women's Sunday Morning Bible Study, you can see that information. Grief Share, it says for the loss of, of a spouse, but that's not just for that. That's, uh, that's one of the keys in it. But if you have any kind of loss, this is what Grief Share is. And those of you who know, in our... Um, in our church and greater community, we have had several losses um, over the last uh, several weeks to start the year. So this is here for you and for the community. It, you do not have to be a member of Haven. We just want this to be here as an avenue of God reaching out and healing. So uh, please connect, and that will be held tonight. And again, want to make sure if you're interested to get that information there just in case whatever happens, happens if it freezes. I, I know they'll make adjustments. For that, you can see the other information about the women's group and other kinds of things. Now, um, also, uh, I want to show this brief video real quick. Um, you have an insert called Football Sunday. Here we go. Hey, everyone, this is Benjamin Watson, tight end for the New Orleans Saints, and I can't wait to be with you on Pro Football's biggest weekend. I invite you to bring your friends, your family, and your co workers to church. You'll hear inspirational stories from Demario Davis, Kirk Cousins, and Case Keenum. Like, yes, I'm over here quietly living for Jesus Christ. No, I need the world to know. I was consumed by football. You know, when it didn't come easy, um, you know, I struggled with it. I want to see lives changed for the kingdom, and I want as many people as possible to come to know the hope of the gospel. You also get to know some of the NFL players who are playing in the big game later that day. It's going to be so good, and I can't wait to experience it together with you. So why should the ladies have all the fun, right, men? Here we go. So uh, February 3rd at 8 a.m. right here, we're going to have a, a men's uh, breakfast for football Sunday because you're not allowed to say that SB word anymore else they go after you and get money. Anyway, it's all good. But anyway, so um, yeah, the big game, that's what people started calling. It's ridiculous, I know. Welcome, welcome to our world. Um, so but anyway, um, we'd love for you to come there, bring your friends, and we'll have that at 8 a.m., uh, a breakfast um, right there. Also, your other insert here is a bingo. How many like to play bingo? Okay, you're supposed to yell bingo. Um, okay, so some people are serious about that stuff, you know, watch out. Um, but bingo, it'll be here Friday, February 22nd. If you know people who like bingo, take it to them, show it to them. They'll be your best friend forever. But you can see the um, information there. And, um, and so this has been going to benefit um, uh, our Haiti Haiti mission trip and all, um, our Haiti mission as well. So go ahead and please um, pass that on the 22nd of February. All right. Um, let's look at our prayer concerns. Uh, Junie Music asked for uh, prayers for Ginny McGall, who fractured her back. So we want to pray for her. Um, Jane Cook diagnosed with uh, dementia, and I mean Bowman for cancer. Prayers for uh, Linda Blay. Mike, I know someone suffering from depression and uh, other kinds of things there. So Donna asked for prayers for the um, for the loss of a spouse. A grief share group that begins. 
Jennifer Lovello for a powerful youth rally weekend. And praying the Holy Spirit continues to work in the lives of youth. Um, also, I want to continue to pray for Natalie and family and, and the loss of her husband, Jordan, um, as we celebrate his life last week. Um, and uh, we also want to lift up, um, I know, the great-grandfather of, uh, of little um, Riley. Thank you, uh, uh, Riley. Um, she, uh, she, uh, he passed away this week, and we know Riley's had a lot of loss in her, lo- her young life with her mother, Lauren, passed away several years ago and other kinds of things. So continue to lift that family in your prayers. All right? Let's go to the Lord in prayer again. Heavenly Father, um, again, we thank you. We recognize there are so many prayer concerns and needs, and we know that you, God, um, are the answer to all things. And let us just right now just reach in and draw near to you uh, and let your Holy Spirit move in, in the needs of the prayer request, but also in our hearts and minds. God, there are so many unspoken Unspoken things. This time of year tends to be really, really kind of off as we, we've celebrated holiday season, and yet we're still kind of like trying to figure out where this year is going. And so, God, you just guide us and, and lead us and be here with us and encourage us in, in your word as we're doing in this series. So, God, do your thing. In your name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Matthew seven twenty four through 27. Build your house on the rock. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Welcome to week two. Uh, we know many were, were checking out online last week as uh, we had that weird kind of whatever that snow and stuff was. Um, it was weird kind of kind of weak weather, and they say by the time we get out of here today, it's going to be even weirder, weirder right? Um, so, but we'll, we'll survive, won't we? Okay, good. All right, so we are in our second week of the series, The Word Written. And last week, I kind of gave you an overview of things just to really uh, share about it. This week we're going to talk about understanding it. Now this is going to be a little bit different because many of you may feel like you're in kind of a class today. I want to give you some knowledge. Okay, so I gave you, you notice that what's really interesting is I'm talking about the Bible and there's probably more blanks on here and less scripture than most, ta- most weeks. Did anybody notice that? It, now you do, okay? So, but um, there's a reason for that because many times I believe that people, you know, connect with Get a Bible, see a Bible, but we kind of believe that this Bible is this thing that's like, oh, here, 
which it is the word of God, and we talked a little bit about that last week, but we don't really understand it. We don't really understand. Just, I mean, I'll admit, there's been times where I've read something from the Bible, and I'm like, what does that mean? Anybody with me? Okay, and there's, some, and there's been a lot of times. So I want to try to help you today, and I'm going to give you a lot. So you might have writer's cramp after leaving here today, and that's an awesome thing. But I want to tell you, I, even if you never take notes, I would take notes today. And this is one of those things you want to shove in your Bible and keep always. All right? You with me? Okay. I'm serious. No, okay. All right. So our, our theme verse that was just read for us today um, is one that is, that is right here from Matthew 7, 24. Anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds their house on the rock. So here's these words. Like, we can hear words, but if we don't put them in practice, it doesn't do anything. How many of you have ever had somebody tell you how to get healthy? Anybody? How many of you put them into practice? How many put cake and ice cream into practice? Okay, there we go. Yes, and so you can hear stuff, but it doesn't work unless you put it in. It's the motivation is ju- not just knowledge. There's a lot of people who know a lot of things. And I've met a lot of dumb people who know a lot of things. You're with me? And I've met a lot of people who know things, but they end up having their life a wreck because they don't follow what they know. And so I don't want you just to just know Bible verses and know scripture. It needs to be in you. You need to be in the word and the word needs to be in you. Um, and you say, why? Well, we, we need it because a lot of times we talk a lot about prayer. And prayer is important. And we're going to have our, our time of 14 days of prayer and fasting in the near future like we did last year. And prayer is important, but we need to stand on the word of God because when the storms come. Because here's the promise I'm going to give to you. I'm going I'm to tell you, you're going to have some bad news in 2019. You're going to have some bad days, some depressing, some horrible time. And you say, well, Jack, why don't you be a little bit more positive? Okay, I'm positive you'll have those days in 2019. Did anybody have them in 2018? Yes, you're going to have them in 2019. It's no different. The calendar just keeps on clicking. It's going to be bad, but I'm positive that will happen. But the thing is, when you are rooted in the rock, remember that verse that was read to us. When you're rooted in the rock, the word of God, when you're rooted in Christ, then uh, those things are going to come, but, and they may bring you down a little bit, but they won't destroy you, okay? So this is kind of a pastoral series. This is one that I want to give to you to apply to your lives. And today we're going to talk about understanding God's word. And one of the things is, we, I, want you to get, I really want you to get closer to God's word, and ultimately I want you to move it from being a discipline, oh, i got to read my Bible today, to being like, oh my gosh, get out of my way, i got to read my Bible today. All right? I want you to have a love for reading the scriptures. Uh, so much so that we, I talked about last week of getting a print Bible. Yeah, it's great to have all the things on there, but get your Bible. This is my Bible on its second or third cover with duct tape and everything. And, and we said that we realize some people in, uh, at this time may not be able to afford one. We have several of these. If you want one, um, I think Debbie will be out back here. She'll make sure that you get one. If, if we're not giving the word of God out to people who, who need it and want it, and what are we doing? Okay, so if you really want one, we have one of these um, that is here for you because that's what we need to do. All right. Um, so I just wanted to put that 
there. So, you know, we want to understand the Word of God, and sometimes it's very, very difficult to understand. It's, you know, what I've learned is when you understand something, you love it more, okay? It's like the story of the man who was walking along the beach in California, and he rubbed found a genie's lamp, and he rubbed it, and poof, a genie popped out and said, and the genie said this, I will grant you one wish, and the man said, well, you know what, I'm afraid of flying, but I've always wanted to go to Hawaii, can you build a bridge for me to go to Hawaii, well, the genie started thinking, and even though he's a genie, and he could do things and have it done, he realized that he would still have to outlay the cost, and it would take so much steel, and it would be very, it would be really difficult, if not nearly impossible, and the money would be, you know, that he would have to spend as a genie would be in the trillions of dollars to make this long bridge, and he was sitting here, he's like, oh my gosh, he said, that's just way too much concrete, steel, all, all the engineering that needs to be done to make sure it's perfect, he said, uh, you know, you got to think of something else. And the man said, all right, well, well, can you help me, help, help me under, make me understand my wife? To that, the genie said, do you want one lane or two lanes? <laughs> all, right, so, all right, so if that's you, if that's you, we, we're going to have a relationship series uh, that's going to be dealing with the Song of Solomon. First time I've ever, in 20-some years, preached on the Song of Solomon in, um, in February, right before, uh, right before Valentine's Day. So we're going to talk about that, and um, it will be PG-13, I will tell you. So, um, so um, But the relationship series, because uh, everything uh, connects there. So let's go back into this. First thing I want to tell you, Bible. Bible um, gets this word, it means book. It means book. And it's important, uh, book, it the Greek term is the word biblios, and it actually came from a city called um, Byblos. Byblos was famous for making papyrus. They were the top papyri uh, makers in the ancient Greek world. In other words, they were paper makers, right? That's what they did. They made paper. So, the, so they used the term from the city that made all the paper that they could make books. So that, and then we have Bible here, all right? The Bible is the most read book in history. It is the best-selling book in history. Matter of fact, they just take that off of the best-sellers list because every year it would make the best-sellers list. It is the most translated in all of history. And next week, I'm going to tell you a little bit more. We're going to talk about um, trusting it. Can I trust in the Bible? And I'm going to share with you how you can trust in the Bible. But I want to give you a little tidbit that fits in with this one. It was written over a period of 1,600 years um, it, in over a dozen countries, in three continents, in three languages, by 40 different people from all walks of life. And you say, well, Jack, why is that, and why is that important? Because have you ever played the telephone game? Everybody know what I'm talking about? Where you whisper something to somebody, and by the time it gets down to the end, it's something horrible. You know, it's something completely different. So how could people over 1,600 years uh, in different places all come up with the same story that leads to the same person and to the same God? Um, have you ever had, and you say, okay, Jack, well, I, the telephone game doesn't work. What about a text? Have you ever received a text and totally, or you send a text, and somebody totally misconstrued what you were saying, and they call you, they don't call you, but they just give you, like, some nasty emoji, like, dangling you over the fires of hell, I don't know, like a, like a gif or something, all right, so, you know, we, so how does it happen, how does it happen, that's a, that's one of our big questions, the Quran was written by one writer, 
His name was Muhammad. The Analytics of Confucius, written by one person. What's his name? Confucius, there you go. The Teaching of Buddha, by one person. Buddha. And yet, compared to the Bible, at, we, we, know, uh, we know 35 of the 40 um, so authors of the Bible over 1,600 years. They, here were some of their jobs. They were poets, priests, kings, shepherds, princes, sailors, fishermen, soldiers, doctors, farmers, scholars, tax collectors, businessmen, historians, attorneys, and the list goes on and on and on. That was some of them. They wrote this in caves, ships, prisons, palaces, deserts, homes, islands. That's a pretty wide range of stuff happening, isn't it? So our big question comes back to this. How did they all come up with the same story? How did they all come up with the same story? Because here's the coolest thing about the Bible. There were about 40 writers, but there's only one author. In other words, there was 40 different people that we know of that used their hands and pen, but inspired by the word of God. It's God's story with us involved in it. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17 says, All Scripture is God-breathed. Remember we talk about the breath of the Word of God. That is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, and righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. What does that mean? It means, as we talked about last week, that the Word of God, when it comes out, it's not just idle words. It has power and authority with it. So when God says it, you can believe it, and you can, you can make sure that happens. All right, so what I want to do right now, I'm going to break down the Bible for you. And I'm going to do that, and don't get nervous, because I'm going to do it in, in the allotted time. Okay, this could, this could be a whole year, uh, whole year study, but... Anyway, let's look at the Old Testament, or what some have called the Hebrew Covenant, with its 39 books, okay? And let's look at its organization. It is divided into the law, is the first one. The law is five books, and it continues from Genesis to Deuteronomy, and the, uh, the, the unspoken of the person that they believe that wrote most of this was Moses, um, but uh, in it, it talks about we have creation. We have Joseph with his awesome coat and his bad brothers. We have Moses where the law is given and the Israelite people around Mount Sinai and walking through the, uh, through the uh, desert until the point that they come to the promised land. This is also known as the Pentateuch, the Pentateuch, the five first books. The next area tends to be probably one of the, lar- one of the larger ones in the Old Testament. It's made up of 12 books. And this is the historical books. So if you like history, how many like history? How many turn on the History Channel? This is where you're going to get biblical history from in the Old Testament. It goes from Joshua to Esther. Anybody remember Joshua? Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. And well, come on, Sunday school people. There you go. There we go. All right. So Joshua. And it ends with Esther. How many are VeggieTale friends? Remember Esther Queen? There you go. All right. So uh, Esther, she became a queen. Now, it it's the end of the Old Testament from an historical book reading portion of it. You have in this, you have Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. So you have this whole section that exists in here. It begins with them going into the promised land with Joshua leading them. And then you start to end with them in exile with Esther in Babylon. And so... Uh, 
there, there's some interesting information here if you want to look at this. Now, there's more to the Bible, though. And the rest of the Bible, if you take certain of those ex- extra sections, and you can plop them into the historical narrative. And there's actually a really cool Bible. I know there's at least one. It's called a chronological Bible. And you can actually read the Bible, and then they will plop in a psalm in the midst of where it would have been. And it's a really cool idea if you're interested in that whole kind of thing. That leads us next to the poetic section of the Bible, the poetry part. There are 17, uh, excuse me, there's, there are five books here, and that goes from Job. Job is actually the oldest written book. It's not the oldest about. It is the oldest written manuscript that we have, the, old, uh, the oldest section. And Job goes through what I told you will be our, our next one. We have Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and it ends up with what we're going to do our next series on, the Song of Solomon. The Song of Solomon. Okay, so they are poetic in nature that you have... Um, <coughs> you have several different areas. We have when David is being chased by King Saul. He's in an area, um, in, in, in an oasis in the desert. And I've actually been there before. And it's a really awesome place to be. And they have these caves. And yet, he writes the psalm, As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. And when you're there, you can actually see it. And you can plop it in the area of history that is here. And then we end up with the prophetical books. And there are 17 of those prophetical books, and they're divided into two sections. They are the major prophets. This isn't because they made the major leagues and they're the, the best prophets and the other ones stink. No, this is because they write a lot. There's a lot here. And this goes from Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and Daniel. So some of our Some of our stories, anybody remember Daniel in the lion's den and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Remember that? Um, So we have those. Daniel also has a flavor of an apocalyptic kind of nature as well. And then if there's the major prophets, we have the who? The minor prophets. And they don't stink. They just write a little bit less. And so what we have in the minor prophets, we have 12 of those. We have Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, um, Jonah. Anybody heard of Jonah? Okay. Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. Malachi. Usually you hear Malachi quoted when people, when churches want you to give more, right? Yeah, how do you rob God? That kind of thing, all right? So just that. Then after this point, after this point you have, not yet, you have 400 years of silence. Now, I will tell you, if you come from a Catholic background, um, there is something that they also call the Apocrypha or other things. I will tell you there are some good writings in there. Um, many people in Protestantism didn't believe that they should be canonized as Scripture. Uh, I think a lot of it was just an argumentative match between the Catholics and Protestants. Uh, for instance, if you want to read the book of Maccabees, you can find out all why people light candles that are Jewish brothers and sisters. It's the story of Judah Maccabees, and he's a pretty bad dude. Um, so his name, Maccabees, a, li- a nickname, it means little hammer. Because when he hits you, he hits you like a hammer. Please, Hammer, don't hurt him. All right? So, um, there we go. So, we have the minor prophets. Then we have this silence of 400 years. Then we have the New Testament. And there's 27 books here. Let's look at the New Testament. The New Testament starts off with what we call the Gospels. The Gospels. And they are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, and many, uh, many people who may be new to the Bible may s- start reading Matthew, and then they start reading Mark, and they go, wait a second, I heard, that I read a lot of this. Um, what I want you to know, it's four different, biblical, four different biographical accounts of Jesus' life. 
on earth. And so we get, and they all have different meanings and different intentions for people. Um, one of the things I always loved about Luke was Luke said, hey, a lot of people have undertaken it, but I'm just sat down. He writes to a person named Theophilus and says, I sat down and I want to tell you I've done research. Here's what I found about Jesus. And so he does it from a, from a doctor kind of investigative. Mark is very rudimentary. He's very crude in his language. He's not very good gram- grammatically. Matthew wants to, to reach out to the Jewish people as that's who he was and wants to show them that Jesus is the Messiah and fulfills prophecy. We'll talk about some of that next week. And John, John's a little bit later and he's trying to combat some other kind of heresies and some other things and he's looking back on many years and sharing. But we have the Gospels that are there. After that, Luke wanted to write some more. And um, many people think it should be combined into Luke-Acts, but the book of Acts. And here we go is the historical book of the New Testament. This is the history of the church from the point where Jesus ascended into heaven to the point um, where uh, before the where you begin to have persecution in the early church. Most scholars, and I agree, believe that it is written and the title is wrong. Most of your Bibles will have the Acts of the Apostles. I believe it's wrong. I believe it should be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit that is at work in in our lives. Jesus did not leave us alone or orphaned, as he said, but I give you a new comforter, and he gave us the Holy Spirit. And it's the historical record of the early church. And that's great because it gives us a model of what we should strive to be. And churches begin to get planted and there's persecution. And we have this guy who was persecuting the church who then comes on the scene and his name is Saul and then it's changed to Paul. And then a majority of the rest of of the New Testament is what we call, there's some 20 books called the epistles. The epistles, it basically is a nice word, churchy word for letters, for pastoral letters. Letters. Most of them were written by Paul. They go from Romans to Jude, um, and there's several different ones. But they are made to encourage, to discipline, to guide, um, and do all kinds of other things. They give doctrine, and they give how you're supposed to live your life in the early church. And so Paul writes a lot of these. As they were planning these churches, they would go ahead and then they would travel and they'd leave. And some, I know this is going to shock you, but believe it or not, some of the culture began to creep into the church. I know none of that happens today, right? But some of the culture began to creep into the church and they had to combat that as people believed, like one church believed that you were free from your sin in Christ. And so because you were free from your sin in Christ, you could go out and commit all the sins and then just say, hey, God, forgive me. And then you go back out again and do the same thing. Come back, hey, God, forgive me. Hey, God, forgive me. You were just using Jesus as like a, uh, a kind of drive through of forgiveness. And so they had to combat some of that. And then the last book, which is probably one of the most confusing to people in all of Scripture, is the book of Revelation, which, is, which means apocalypsis, or um, the apocalypse. And it is one book... Um, and it is about prophecy and the last days. It's written by John the Beloved, or the, the disciple of Jesus, when he was exiled to the island of Patmos. Exiled to the island of Patmos. And I just wanted to kind of show you this brief chart right here, um, a pie chart right here. That's um, ah, not there. There you go. All right, so um, I don't know why it's not there. That's weird. But it basically, I'll, I'll put it up online. It basically showed where um, how the, the people who wrote um, most of the Bible, the different authors that are there. So I'll put that up there. That was just extra. All right? So, everybody good? Did you survive? Okay, yeah. 
Yeah, you got a little bit? Yeah, true. Writers, not authors. Um, so you, there's only one author. Okay, so somebody's paying attention. The rest of you failed. Okay, um, I did too because I had a big X. Um, all right, that's what happens to you if you don't read the Bible. Okay, um, big X. Um, so now, now that we have some understanding of how it's, or, how it's organized, right, I want to go ahead and I want to give you a picture to understand the Bible. I want to give you what I call the looking glass plot or the mirror plot of the Bible. The thing that tells the story of the Bible. There is a theme all the way through this. Now keep in your mind, 1,600 years, 40 different writers, and how there's this incredible theme. And I'm going, if you, if you really hang in here, I think you're going to be amazed because I think it's pretty awesome how consistent God is. All right, so let's look at the looking glass plot. And I gave you a nice little chart there to fill things in. All right, so we're going to start from the bottom on the left where it says Old Testament. Everybody know where I'm talking about? Okay, so here's what happens. In Genesis 1 and 2, we start with God and righteous humanity in paradise. We have Adam and Eve um, in the Garden of Eden. Everything's just, everything was created and God called it what? Good. Everything was good. Everything was fantastic. It was good. They, they were righteous. There was nothing wrong in them. They were made perfect. Everything was perfect. There was no sin. There was no guilt. There was actually no labor in work to this point. There was no labor in childbirth. And the ladies say hallelujah, right? All that kind of stuff. Creation was perfect. You see this junk that we've had out there called rain? There wasn't even any rain then. That God had the system set up that actually it watered from underneath. Okay? And you'll say, how do you know that? Because I know the scripture, okay? That it was just perfect. They didn't have to labor for anything. And they were walking around naked because they didn't care. They didn't have to buy clothes. How much money would you save not buying clothes? All right? So we had this. That's in Genesis 1 and 2, that God and righteous humanity were together in paradise. But then, the second thing is, and I know it's small up here. I had to get on the screen. Satan and sin enter. Okay, Satan and sin enter. And you remember the story of the serpent tempts Eve from the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, humanity falls, boom, boom, boom. Then, you, then it starts to snowball. That's what sin does. It starts to snowball. And they were kicked out of the garden because what sin does, sin separates us from God. You see, God is holy and sin is not. And God cannot be in the same place of sin. And what sin creates is a huge gap and a huge chasm. Some of us may be here today and feel that. You feel that distance between you and God. That there's this huge gap between us and God. So the fruit of the sin, fruit of sin is chaos. And what began to happen is the sin of Adam and Eve then ballooned into murder from their sons, and then it ballooned into a lot of other things. And there became complete chaos where God actually regretted making humanity on the earth. So that's what happens to our life when we have sin. It gets really chaotic and gets all over the place when we do what God has not intended. And that's in Genesis 3, 5. Then we go to Genesis 6, 9, and God be, decides to judge and destroy the world. This is when we have Noah, and we have the flood. Okay, And he found Noah, and he said, Noah of all people found favor in God. And we talked about several months ago about how it took Noah a long, long time to build a boat. And they were like, a boat? What's a boat? You didn't need the boat because, guess what? He said, it's going to rain. They said, what are you talking about? We would be able to relate to that. As I heard this year, we beat Seattle. Way to go. 
all right? Rain, 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 rain. They never understood rain because God had the system set up to take care of it, all right? So they went ahead, and Noah, God bless him, put all his family and all the animals, we all wish he would have got those mosquitoes, right, on the boat. And how many of you would like to be on a boat locked in with your family and all them animals for that long a time? I don't blame Noah for getting drunk. That's what the scripture says. All right, right, he was drunk. I don't blame him one bit. All right, so anyway, um, so that, that's what happens. They get off the boat, and after they're all off the boat, then what happens again? People did evil again. Started it even worse. Got it even, even worse. So they decided, hey, let's all come together, those of us who are together, and let's start a one-world government system. If we can't get God to agree with us, let's build a tower, the Tower of Babel. Let's build it to the heavens so we can be up there with God. All right? And so God, they were going to try to overtake God, and God said, uh-uh. And God confused their languages, set up nations, and destroyed their temple, and they were like, "Uh uh-oh, they were in confusion. They couldn't speak with people. So God now decides, I'm going to get involved, and I'm going to straighten this up. So God decides to create some order for the first time, and he chooses a people. He chooses a people, and he creates the 12 tribes of Israel as God's holy people. All right? He chooses, he goes to Abraham. And he says, hey, follow me. And then he begins to set up tribes and and the systems that exist exist there. This is in Genesis chapter 12 through Malachi is the story of God and his people Israel. Pick this group, set them apart to be an example for the rest of the world. And he sent law. He sent instructions. He set up a series of sacrifices and a, a series of the priesthood and everything in order to overcome the sin but people could not do it. It didn't work either because the law was external. People looked at it as something that I have to do out here. I have to do it out here. And throughout the scripture, it tells us that it was not written on their hearts. You see, have you ever had to do something that you don't want to do, but you do it? Like how many have ever had chores when you were younger or older, right? How many have honey-do lists you don't want to do? How many would go places? How many went through the holidays went places you would never go if you didn't have to go, Right? If they're next to you, just just give me a, all right? We all do things that we don't want to do. And what had happened, God had provided the law as a means of salvation for people who were separated from him. And yet, the law was not written in here. It was written out here. It was a chore for them to do. And they created the system that God brought from for freedom and made it a legalistic thing that bound people even more so. And so that didn't work. And they would obey but not like it. And the old, you could sum up the whole Old Testament story as people trying to do something that God had created to be internalized externally. And it didn't work. So now God says, here's my plan. This ain't working. And I knew it wasn't going to work. So I'm going to insert my plan to make it right. The, old, the whole story of the Old Testament proved that we can't do it on our own even with God making provision. So he says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send my son. His name's Jesus. I'm going to send Jesus. And here he is. Jesus is the hope of the world. Jesus, I put him, it's not, not a mistake that I put him at the top and the center because Jesus is everything. It's all about him. Jesus. In other words, what happened is 
hell is not a place for people that God is mad at. Hell is a place for people that want to pay their own bill of sin. Jesus said, I came to, take, to pay your bill. I came to do that. And so by him doing that, Jesus paid your sin bill and didn't leave us alone, but gave us the Holy Spirit. And he said, the law is not now on the outside, but it should be written on your heart. And that's in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the Gospels. We hear about Jesus doing that. But then God, now look at this comparison here. Are you ready? Here's where it gets really cool. You look right here. It does, God doesn't use the 12 tribes in Israel anymore. God use, uses the 12 disciples and builds the church. Isn't that cool? And throughout the scripture, it talks about those of us, our Gentiles, are grafted into Israel through the church. The church is now the means, because of Jesus, of the hope of the world. And in Acts, through Jude, we have that story of the scripture. And, and there we are, right here in the church age, right now. It's not Israel, but all who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. Hebrews 8 tells us that that law is written on your hearts. And it's called a new covenant. You see, the Old Testament was the old covenant, but there is a new covenant. And he said you don't need a ton of, a ton of instruction. What you need mainly is you need the Holy Spirit to teach you and to remind you. And he lives in you and will teach you all these things. But today we end up in this time where here's where we are. And... By droves, people are rejecting this message. People are rejecting this message. They're rejecting the church. They're rejecting the Bible. They're rejecting Jesus more than they ever have before in this area. It seems like it used to be that throughout culture, I found, um, some time ago, we found my grandparents' uh, wedding license, which is given them by the state in, uh, in Georgetown, and on the bottom of it, it had a Bible verse. Can you imagine that now? Now, if you mention the name of Jesus in public, it's one of the worst things that you could possibly do. We have seen our, our culture shift to the point that, that people are rejecting the message. And I will say that part of that is the church's fault because we got back to old covenant with a new covenant. We got back to Christian legalism and made Christian legalism what God never intended because it was supposed to be freedom in the gospel of Christ. And so that, that in Acts through Jude is where we can relate. And we're headed to this one area. You ready for this? We're headed to this one world government, Revelation 6 through 19. A one world government system where the Antichrist is set up. Current world events, some current world events lead us to believe that in many ways this is happening or that it's being set. And you can go back and look at the series on Daniel that I did um, I believe a year or so ago, that actually talked about some of the end time things, that right now, we, it's the first time in history that we are living that every single sign of the times has been done in our lifetime. And so we pray, come quickly, Lord Jesus. The Antichrist is going to go ahead and set up, so when you buy things, you're going to need a mark of the beast on your arm or forehead, so that means when you go through Walmart, you may have to go bloop, like that, you know, thought you might need a little bit of humor there, you know, bloop, there we go, all right, beep, beep, beep. okay, you go through that, that's how, that's the only way you're going to be able to buy and sell, if, if you have this mark, on your, and all we know is on the forehead um, or on the, on the hand, and so, we, God says, you know what, now it's time, I'm going to go get my church, I'm going to go get my church, and so, here's what happens, in this section of Revelation, 
the world gets judged and destroyed. The world gets judged and destroyed again. Not by water this time, but by fire. In other words, God says, you know what, I'm going to renew this thing. When you, when you cook something in fire, like iron, it cooks out the impurities. And God says, enough, I'm going to cook out these impurities. So it's going to be a pur- purification, a redo. And this time, though, a remnant of his people who have them written in their hearts will be the ones that are with him. And then here's the cool part. Satan and sin, exit. Satan and sin, exit. And that's in Revelation chapter 20. They bind up that old serpent, that old dragon, and they throw him into the pit forever. Everybody say, woo, yeah, there we go. All right? So all that's thrown in there. So there is no sin again. And then God and, ready for this, redeemed humanity. God and redeemed humanity are in paradise. Are in paradise. You know what the Greek word closest for this is? Resort. I don't know about you, but how many have ever been on a vacation at a resort? Pretty awesome. So heaven isn't going to be like we go to a celestial retirement home. And I sit there and do heart practice. Bling, bling. No, if that's heaven, count me out. I don't want to go bling, bling, bling all day. I don't want to sit on a cloud. I don't want to wear a white toga. Not going to do it. I'll be wearing an Eagles jersey, all right? Um, so, but... What I'm, what I'm saying is, we've got a misconstrued picture of what that is. If somebody said, hey, I want you to go away with me on vacation to this resort, it's going to be awesome. We're going to play the harp all day and sit around in togas. No. Uh-uh. Nope. I want to eat all I want to eat, not gain a pound. I want to praise Jesus. I want to have fun. I'm gonna, it's going to be awesome. All the things I find valuable are pavement up there. I don't care. It's going to be cool. It's going to be very, 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 very cool up there. We have a lot of bad ideas about heaven. We say, we call it what? The afterlife. Well, I guess I'm going to go to the afterlife. I'm going to go to the afterlife, and I might haunt you or something. I don't know. Just after, it's afterlife. Like we say, this is it. Like it's like some afterlife. No, that's life. This is the before life. As I read the word of God, that's when we have life and have it abundantly. He said we can have some of it now, but that's where it all happens. I'm ready to live. There you go. Not afterlife. Who? You see, see this mirror image of the Bible? Isn't this cool? Remember, 1,600 years, 40 different people. Over a long time in a lot of different places. And look at the balance of this. That God had a plan. It didn't work out because of sin. He had to judge the world. They didn't get it still. He said, I'm going to have a chosen people. That didn't work. He said, I'm going to send my son Jesus. He sent him. Jesus said, I'm going to right all this wrong. He said, give me those 12 disciples and I'm going to start the church and open it up to all the world. Then he says, you know what? Guess what? As time goes on, people are going to be rejecting the world and they're going to follow this antichrist. And guess what? I'm going to judge the world again and I'm going to destroy the world again. But I have my remnant. And then guess what? Satan had enough of you. Punt. You're done. And then he goes ahead and says, but guess what? God and and my redeemed will be with me forever and ever. And glory and honor and power. And all glory be to the Lamb who was slain. Isn't that awesome? Doesn't that excite you a little bit about this word of God? That it's not just a book. It's the living word and plan of God for humanity. And his love for us. 
And so as we look at this, I want to tell you the subject of this. This is God's story. It's his story, history. And I want to give you two thoughts. The subject of the Bible, you may say, well, the subject is us. No, we are the object. The subject of the Bible is Jesus. It always has been Jesus. It always has been Jesus. Jesus is what your whole Bible is about. You say, wait a second, Jack. I saw that chart. He was up in the middle. No, he was there in the beginning. All things were created with him and through him, according to John's gospel. He was the fourth person in the fiery furnace of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Throughout the Psalms, he's written in there. Next week, we're going to talk a little about, a bit about this. There are 300 biblical references that all point to Jesus. 300 biblical references. Look at what, John, what it says here in John chapter 5. Jesus says to the people, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. In other words, you're trying to find, and what scriptures are you talking about? Old Testament. You're looking in there trying to get life. You're trying to look for something in there that gives you life. But look what he says here. But the scriptures point to me. All that Old Testament points to Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Everybody say, it's all about Jesus. Why is that important? Because when you look in your, and I love the Old Testament, but when you're reading your Bible, have some fun and try it. You know, remember that game, remember that thing, Where's Waldo? Use your Bible and play Where's Jesus. Look for Jesus in every scripture, in every area. See where he is through the whole scriptures, and it'll bring an incredible fulfillment, that Jesus is the fulfillment of the old order of things. So what's the verb? What's the verb? Some of you may say it's love. Close. It's a motivation for the verb, which is the action. It's something greater than that. I'm going to show it to you right here in this verse. Probably the most famous scripture ever. Right here. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The verb is give. You see, love is is there, but giving is the action because of his love. That he gave his son, Jesus Christ. And if he gave all to us, the response from us is to give what? All to him. Give it all to him. God gave his son to be slaughtered. Let's not make it anything nicer than it is. He gave his son to be slaughtered to right our wrong. So that we could go ahead and give our life to others. Salvation is not church membership. Even though that's cool and you should have a church to be connected to. It's not about belief. You can believe, you can believe in this. It's all about he gave everything and we need to give everything too. The church exists to give. To give our life away. This church exists so that we can have experiences that have, that have been part of this ministry, that we've been connected with other people and have Monarch House. And we can have our Haven uh, CC and uh, Haven Community Churches in Haiti. That we can go ahead and help with a Paris Foundation. And we can go ahead and rotating shelter and more and more and more. And that's why we have studies and that's why we have grief share and that's why we have this. We don't do that to say, oh, look at us, look at us. See the H, see the C, look cool, see the guy's hands up there to have it everywhere. No, we do it because Jesus gave his life and therefore or we must give ours for others. Anything else than that is messed up. And that's why we need to embrace 1 John 3.16 as our worship team comes up. 
which reminds us this very important verse here. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters. This is the story of God. You understand it a little bit better? When you get into the word this week, look for Jesus in all things. All right, let's stand. Let's stand. Heavenly Father, we come to you today, and I thank you for your word. I thank you for making it more real to us. And as we, we come to this point of understanding it a little bit better, that it's not just a bunch of different people slapping stuff together, that there is a theme, and there's, there's, there's a, a part to all this. There is a subject, and his name is Jesus. And there is a verb, and it is give. God, help us. Help us to live out that life that you've called us to. We love you. There are many of us right now who are, are feeling the chasm of sin, the separation of you in our lives. God, bridge that gap right now through your son, Jesus Christ. Move mightily in this room. Speak to us through your Holy Spirit. As your word said, may, may it be written on our hearts, not externally. God, forgive us as a church for doing something with your church, trying to pull it back into the old covenant. When you said, no, it's about a new covenant. And God, help us, help us to just see your face more clearly. This time is yours, God. Give us what you would have to us. Speak to us. Compel us to love you. God, you are amazing. We love you. Help us to just build our life upon this foundation of your word. May, may we be like the wise builder who builds the house on the rock. May we build our lives on the rock of Jesus Christ, who is the whole purpose of our existence. And may this world that seems to be shunning all the things that you have brought to them, may they just turn and may we have repentance and may we have revival in your land. In Jesus' mighty name we all pray. Amen. The altar's open if you need to pray. this song is all about intention. You know, God doesn't really care, you know, what we sing. He cares why we sing. And this song is one of the songs that was written, you know, two years in the making. And it's just, it started out with a bridge of like, I will build my life upon your love. And it's just, you know, that's talking about what Jack was talking about, the Bible. You got to build your life on that to really connect to Jesus and understand what he wants for your life. And then the other song is probably, it's all about our intention. You know, we just talk about worthy. You're worthy of everything, God. You're worthy of everything. We can sing every breath we breathe so I want us to all sing this song together if you don't know it I'm going to go through it a couple times here on the second time you guys will have it just sing it with, with intention
Jesus the name above every other name. Jesus the only one who could ever say. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes and wonder. Show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. worthy worthy of every song we could ever sing worthy of all the praise we could ever bring worthy of every breath we could ever bring we live for you above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say, worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. Holy. Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside
I don't even know how to end today. Um, I, I just don't know how to because I don't think it's like an ending. I just kind of got a, a feel. A lot of times benedictions and things tend to be ending. But I just think that God just wanted me to go ahead and, and take and say, you know, hey, I want you to fall in love with this. Because when you fall in love with this, you fall in love with me. Um, and so, like, I remember when Melissa and I were dating, how you get the notes. You remember, like, you got the notes. Anybody write a, who wrote a love note? Some of you are scared because you mean, like, oh, yeah, it's been a while. All right. Um, but like when you got one or when you gave, gave one, sometimes giving one and seeing how joyous they were was even better. So receive the love note from God about his, that he's given to you in the action giving. And go ahead and, and take that love and give it to somebody else. That's what you're doing this week and fall in love with him. Play Where's Jesus. Okay? All right. So next week we're going to just talk about um, can you trust it? Trusting in it. And so we're going to have a lot of um, other stuff about the trust in the Bible. Have a great week. Say hello to somebody on your way out. God bless. Stay warm.